Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree. I'm Kelly Nichols, and today we have a wonderful returning guest. My dear friend, Ellen Folks, is here, and we are thrilled to have her back on the show. In this episode, we're going to explore the challenging journey of self-acceptance and how various external factors, like depictions in media, can undermine our sense of self-worth. We'll discuss how these obstacles can affect us from childhood into adulthood and highlight ways we can undo the damage done by these negative influences to our self-esteem. So whether you're personally struggling to achieve self-acceptance or you want to deepen your understanding of this element of personal growth, I hope our candid conversation today will empower you and equip you with the tools you need to build a more loving relationship with yourself. Ellen, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. I adore you. And I've been listening to all the episodes and you're just the best. I adore you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks so much. I know that our last conversation was amazing and I know that this one is going to be too. So I'm ready to just jump in. Yep. Let's go. In our last episode, we talked about what it was like living in a fat body and how fat phobia affects self-esteem, relationships, and intimacy. We shared some advice for people to work towards self-acceptance, particularly in regards to body image, and I want to continue those conversations today. First, let's talk about things that undermine self-acceptance. So I'm talking about lack of representation in media or misrepresentation in media, which is even worse. Societal attitudes and phobias, online discourse, all of this can be really harmful. What are some things that you recall harming your self-esteem growing up or things that continue to challenge your self-acceptance journey today? Oh my gosh. I, I, with, for me, it's representation. I, because with representation equals acceptance, like automatic Mm -hmm. acceptance, I think a lot of the things, uh, that, uh, we see ourselves in is, is we're always asking, uh, like we want, we want feedback to have that acceptance. Right. And I'm sure you felt like this too, but one, one thing I, I got from a therapist once that was so helpful is that not all feedback is spoken feedback. Right. And so Mm. there's a lot of things that, that when it comes with representation, it's not somebody telling you that you're accepted and I love you. It's that them showing that they uh, accept you and love you and that you are okay as you are. So uh, I, I don't know about what your experience was, but for me, it was stuff. I was always looking for, um, a bigger person, a bigger woman specifically being in a relationship. And that's like on TV. And I grew up in the nineties. So for me, the only one I had was Roseanne. I, I saw Roseanne. Say that. I, did you really? <laughs> yes. I said, she's going to say Roseanne. Cause that's it. That is our only depiction. And I will tell you till this day, I love that show. Now, Roseanne Barr, Absolutely yeah. not. Will not yeah. stand for it. But 90s Roseanne, I adore it because it was the only the only depiction we had of a fat couple that was healthy-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and she, like Dan, was attracted to her and and they had chemistry and, and there was loving, even though it was like a dysfunctional family, which we I think we can all relate to. But yes. uh, for me, that was that was I was like, okay, so so there is somebody who can be fat in a relationship. We're seeing that represented and because we don't have very many now I don't I'm so curious as if this impacted you too I only saw 
fat women with fat men, I never saw the, um, I, and I saw fat men with skinny women. Mm-hmm. I never saw fat women with skinny men. Yep. So, uh, I mean, we're thinking like Fred Flintstone and Velma. We're thinking yeah. uh, King, King of Queens. Of Queens. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and even frankly, like when it comes to, I don't like, I used to think that there were leagues. Like I would always say somebody's out of my league. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that's very much so what it felt like is like, I'm not allowed to be with a straight size guy because I'm a plus size woman. There, there is no example of it. I have nothing to go for. So, uh, so it's funny that you had that experience too, because I don't think a lot of people talk about those, like the, the mixed sized couples a lot, but the ones that we do see are the larger male with the smaller female. Cause males it's okay. It's not, I don't want to say that they don't have their own versions of discrimination, but it's different it is. than it is for women. Right. It is. And I think that men are also taught that like, there are avenues other than their body to become, um, what society says is desirable, right? Like Uh, growing up as a little girl, the only way that you would be like a desired partner is if you were hot and for men, and and that is like totally messed up. Right. But for men, there were other avenues and I'm not even saying that those avenues are healthy or good, but I'm saying they had other things. They could be strong, right. They could be Mm -hmm. very successful. Like there are other ways that they could be desired in media. And that wasn't shown for women or at least very rarely. And you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about how like mixed weight couples were not shown. They are not depicted in media if the woman is bigger than the man. And I am significantly fatter than my husband, Um, especially when we got together. My husband was very thin and, you know, we would get stares in public though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We would get stares in public. Like I remember we had gone to the grocery store. This like maybe the second or third time we'd ever gone to the grocery store together. Yeah. And there was this guy staring us up and down. And I absolutely know it's because of that, right? Like you can just tell. Yes. And I think part of that is because it isn't depicted in media and representation is so important, whether it is social media or Hollywood representation just matters. I remember there are so few examples of fat bodies growing up and, and that affects other marginalized people even more than just fat people. Right. Yes. So as, um, we are, we're growing up and we're not seeing any examples of these, it really can make us feel like we don't have options for our lives. There are no other paths for us to take, right? As a child, I felt very boxed in by the descriptions of fat people Mm -hmm. that I saw on screen. Did you experience a similar view when you were a kid? A thousand percent, a a thousand percent. And, and I think you gave me goosebumps when you were just talking, because I was like, oh, this is, this is hitting a, a chord with me in that, um, for me, and I, and I have to think that other people are going through this too, is that you're indoctrinated. So you have all this representation out there and then you're like, that's what I'm supposed to be like. Right. So, so you have this internalized fat phobia that you adopt, you adopt all those things that come with it. And so I think all the, all the people, all the marginalized people who aren't, this is why it's so important, who aren't represented, they go through this journey or I hope they do and they, in in a journey, they shouldn't even have to, is that they one have to recognize one, they're having a horrible time. They're walking through life in a hard path because they don't feel like they belong and they feel like they need to change. Mm -hmm. And then 
they try to change, they fail because that's not who they are. And then after that, you become, and for me, I, I became rebellious. It took me a long time, but I, it, it was kind of always a little bit there. I had a streak of it because I like Disney villains more than I like Disney princesses. Why? Because I don't relate to Disney princesses. I'm yeah. not, you know, that shape and I'm not a damsel in distress that needs to be rescued. So it's like, I like the Ursula's right. Because she's sexy and she's curvaceous and she's a businesswoman, you know? So, so. Ursula is my favorite Disney villain. And let me tell you why okay. it's because she can shape shift. We've seen it. And yet she chooses to be yes. fat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is something that I so deeply relate to, right? Yeah. Like growing up as a kid, did you not wish that you could just change your body so much? Oh, like, oh, yes. I wrote, I literally wrote a book about it. Like when I was in third, fourth grade, we made a book and that was like the subject of mine. It, as an adult looking back, it's horrible, right? That is one of the things that motivated me to you know, create my practice because I don't want other women. I don't want other girls growing up feeling like that is all that they are capable of being. So when I'm a kid and I realize like Ursula can look like anything and she chooses to look like that, that's cool. Right. I totally get what you're saying. Like I, my body was more represented in the villains than the princesses. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that speaks for all things, right? It's, it's just because I'm not seeing somebody that is, that looks like me. I went on an ancestry journey to try to find ancestors of mine that, that look like me. And unfortunately, ancestry is also misogynistic. So it's really hard to find a lot of people, you know, outside of like the male bloodlines, but uh, something that I had noticed and, and it, like it turned up in my searches was, um, you, you think that this whole time that now that we're in this decade or time or whatever millennia, that, that fatness is just a new thing and it's not, it just has been, it hasn't been represented. It was represented back when being fat was a social status, right. In artwork and things like that. And then to me, this is a bigger discussion, but if, if you are taken out of culture, if you're not accepted in culture, they're going to act as though it doesn't exist. They're going to act like it's not okay. And, and so it's fun to see on the internet sometimes when you find pictures of old people, like older people, older generations from like, you know, early 1900s, 1800s and stuff like that being fat and existing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, we were here the whole time. Just, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. Yeah. I struggle you're, with it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And I am glad that you bring that up because I think it's important to highlight that we have been here the whole time. We just haven't been being represented. And thankfully I do feel like, you know, Hollywood is casting a wider net, like with the rise of streaming services, there's just so much content online available for you. Yeah. And so obviously we are thankfully seeing more diversity because of that. Um, and more diverse characters, stories, actors. We are hearing more stories from non-white voices. We are hearing stories from women told by women about women, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of your favorite recent depictions of fatness in media, whether it's characters, people, celebrities? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Aidy Bryant was a big influence on me. Um, I think she's even younger than me even, but her being on SNL and then doing Shrill made me very, very happy. They were having a discussion, like her being on SNL had nothing to do with her fatness. It just, she was, she was a character actor. She was a character, you know, comedian. Um, and, and she got to fill in some of those gaps. Like we have, whenever you're doing, um, uh, the kind of parodies on politics and stuff like that, her being representing some of the, in, in, you know, um, Oh, what is it? Melissa McCarthy does that too. Mm-hmm. Whenever she guest spots, you know, you have people in Congress or the Senate that are of larger size. And those are the characters that you put in there. Thank goodness versus like a fat suit on somebody. Cause oh, oh, thank God. Get me started on that. But <laughs> AD Bryant was a big one. Um, I watched the first season of shrill and I, it was a little triggering for me. So I, so I didn't watch the second season. Melissa McCarthy is another one. Uh, the yeah. woman is wonderful. Um, I know some people aren't into her comedy. I don't care. I love a big person being represented, whether it's Gilmore girls, whether it's all of her movies and stuff like that to see her out there. And because she didn't have, and this goes for a, a ton of celebrities that are just as, like slightly larger, not sample size yes. is that she, she created her own clothing line because mm-hmm. she, she couldn't get dressed. Yeah. Um, Christian Seriano uh, dressed somebody that couldn't fit. Oh, cause uh, Gabby, what is her name? Um, oh, um, precious. I forget her last yeah. name. Yeah. It uh, starts with an S. Uh, but anyway, um, having, having that out there, to me, the conversation's getting started. We are at the beginning. We are in the baby stages, in my opinion, of having that representation where it should be. Cause right mm-hmm. now there's, there's so much still being ignored. There is, there is. I am thankful that, you know, we are seeing more um, people like Melissa McCartney um, and Addie Bryant. I also think of Nicole Byer um, Mm -hmm. on Nailed It. I adore her. Um, Oh, also Jack Black in Like Anything. He is a great example of a chunky man who is not scared (laughs) to be naked on the internet. And I love that because I think it's so normalizing. Um, especially like, don't even get me started on school of rock. So yeah, (laughs) I Uh, love uh, Jack Black, Jack Black with an asterisk though, because, uh, the shallow Hal, did you ever watch that movie? Oh, one time. Yes. We will pretend like it didn't happen. Yes. Yes. I hope he has, you know, gotten his, uh, put in his, you know, uh, confessed all of his sins (laughs) on that one. Um, what is Paltrow too? That was yeah. fun. I actually quoted Shallow Hal um, in a research article that I did for a class regarding fatness because it's that bad. Yeah. Um, I also think of artists like Lizzo, who, I mean, <gasps> come on, let's <sighs> talk about the talent, right? Oh. We also have Joshua Ray Walker, who is an up and coming um, country artist from Dallas, who is fat and is lovely. Um, he sings songs about like wanting to have sex and having uh-huh. sex. And that is something that is so powerful. Yeah. Um, also Crook, who is the new up and coming TikTok sensation who wrote that if mm-hmm. I were a fish song. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think of movies like Dumpling or even podcasts, right? Like not just this one, but maintenance phase is a great resource Mm -hmm. where we are talking to a thin person, Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon, who is fat and they have conversations about fatness and how it affects society. There's also, um, she's all fat, which isn't 
currently putting out new episodes, but there, there is content by fat Mm -hmm. people about fat people. We just have to search a little harder for it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. (laughs) I think the same is true, not just of fatness, but of, um, other minorities as well. And other marginalized groups that, um, obviously we could talk all day on, but we are going to go ahead and, um, head into our first break. So stay tuned. We will be back after a short break to discuss what we can do about some of the problems that we've been highlighting. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us. Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Willow Intimacy offers body positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? We don't think so. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Ed Cheney. Ed and his guests will explain full-spectrum CBD, using the whole hemp plant for good health and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. We're back. Thank you so much for listening. I am Kelly Nichols and we are being joined today by Ellen Foltz, who is not only an amazing guest on the show, but also a professional fat person. We have her on to talk about self-acceptance and kind of what are some issues that we struggle with, especially when we were younger and how can we kind of turn that around and start to accept ourselves more and be more comfortable in our own skin. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. I am ready to go ahead and dig in. Are you? Yep. Let's go. Okay. So like I said, we've been talking about the challenges to self-worth for us personally and for society at large. I want to talk with you about some ways to promote self-acceptance. So last Mm -hmm. episode, we mentioned following people that look like you on social media, whether Mm -hmm. that's people of a specific body type, race, a disability, ethnicity, um, nationality, even just someone who is the same height as you, right? Representation and the normalization of people who look like you is so beneficial especially for marginalized bodies. Has that been your experience as well? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, I think uh, getting exposure to somebody who's like me has helped me a a million times over. Right. So not just like, not just like one person, not two people, but a community finding the community um, has been the best thing for me. Um, And, and I don't know about you, Kelly, but, but I, you know, I do you know, kind of 
I think about all this stuff all the time. I, I was a storyteller for a long time here in Dallas. So I did storytelling shows. Um, and, uh, to me, the biggest conversation we're talking about is, is basically the culture that we live in and how we are denied access to feel comfortable. Right. Yep. So in storytelling, in culture being passed down through, through stories, right. Whether it's TVs, movies, um, books, um, and then obviously social media and then also fashion and, and all those things, um, architecture, everything we live and breathe it every day. So when we're getting denied access to stories, we're getting denied access to fashion. We like, don't get to sit in certain things because they don't Mm -hmm. fit us. We're constantly told no. Um, something that I have done aside from just like following people on social media has been practicing storytelling. So practicing mm-hmm. my experiences and, and sharing them with other people doing exactly what you're doing on this podcast right now. So something that you, you doing this is so helpful for so many people that I don't, I hope you recognize the gravity of and how thankful they're going to be to hear some people talk about this. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so getting involved in that culture and even though it's a, a single raindrop in an ocean, right? At least I can be comfortable talking about those things in front of a crowd, you know? Yeah. That you hit the nail on the head. I think when you talk about storytelling, I think it's important not only to tell your own stories, like what you're mentioning and, and things like just talking to other fat people about your lived experience, talking to thin people about your lived experience, right? But also consuming other fat people's stories. And I think Mm -hmm. that a great way to do that, even if you don't want to get into social media, if that's not your bag, there are so many books written by fat people about fat people Mm -hmm. that, um, you can really expand your horizon. And that also normalizes your own lived experience. So I'm talking about books like Land Well by Jess Baker, Hunger mm-hmm. by Roxane Gay. Even if you want something that's like a little more lighthearted and funny, Bitter is the New Black by um, Jen Lancaster, right? Like there are so many different um, themes and like different intensities. Like Hunger by Roxane Gay is actually a book that I have never read because there are trigger things in there for me that it wouldn't be safe for me to read that work, right? Right. But it yeah. is it is very heavy. It is serious. And it is, from what I've been told, an amazing piece of literature. And you can find the exact opposite, something that is funny and lighthearted and doesn't take itself too seriously. Also written by a fat person like Jen Lancaster, right? So yeah. you, whatever you want, you can find by a fat person. <laughs> right. And so right. I encourage um everyone to continue to seek out media that is not only for us, but created by mm-hmm. us and whatever your us is right yeah they might not be fat maybe it's women or people of color or you know people who are on the spectrum or whatever it is for you right right absolutely well in in something uh one of my favorite shows is shit creek shit's creek and mm-hmm. that being uh you know the uh the one of the main characters in there it just happens to be uh, you know it might be pansexual i can't remember um but lgbtqia plus, uh, and, uh, they, it just happens to be a part of the character, but he lives in a world where there's no discrimination whatsoever against him. Like there's nobody, there's no, uh, like phobic kind of, uh, language or actions taken by anybody. And it's like, to me, and and I'm so curious as to what you think about this is sometimes even following fat people 
on social media or whatever, whenever you get to see the conversations around it and mm-hmm. you see some of those hate comments. So, and then, or you see uh, one of the influencers responding to a hate comment, mm-hmm. even though they're on our side and I need to see that, that, that people are protecting us, that there's people defending our space. Uh, that comment is still triggering to me. It, it reminds me that people dislike me regardless Mm of who I am as a person, my morals in the world, whatever. And, and so to me, even though that's important to have, I need more of the shit's Creek. I need for all of those marginalized groups. Right. So whether it's just anybody, frankly, um, Mm -hmm. but the conversation we're having is centered around fatness, but having, having a show where like shrill again, so important, but the conversation was it was tackling living in a fat body in this world. And sometimes I also want to see the utopic view of, of that. I totally agree. I think it comes back to like the, uh, the, um, barrier gaze trope. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's similar, right? Like even for a long time, even if marginalized voices and marginalized stories are portrayed, it's about the trauma and like, the negativity of what Mm. that lived experience is like Mm -hmm. and that while that is important and that does have um there needs to be space for that it can feel like that's your life is just going to be miserable right like um oh what is the brandon frazier is it brandon frazier film whale is that what it was called oh Right. Like I I have not seen it. it. I'm not going to see it, but like, it's part of that, right? Like it's almost like a trauma porn. Like we like to see someone suffer. It's the biggest Mm -hmm. loser, the dance your ass off. Like we will portray fat people, but only if they recognize that like they're terrible and they need fixed. And if they don't get fixed then they deserve bad treatment. Right. Right. And, and I can't, I'm, I, the whale, I, I, again, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment too much on it. But at the same time, my understanding was like, I was like, I am not, I, I, I will be triggered by that. And, and I'm sure that I, I don't know what the story was or anything like that. Like, I, I know it was centered around fatness again, but it's mm-hmm. that traumatic version of it. And it's, and I get that that's a story, but those are the stories that we hear versus seeing somebody successful in a fat body versus somebody. And it's just normalized, Mm -hmm. right? Again, I have to emphasize that it's unfair to take away the conversation about how we have been traumatized, how we've been like discriminated against. So, because if you do that, right, then we ignore all of the problems that we have to face, right? Mm -hmm. So then that conversation of the people who need to hear it, don't, they don't hear it. So, um, so it's still important to have, it's just, I really wish it's like, I could see a transition into that, like the, the acceptance and the, the, the normality of it, it it should be. Yeah. And I think that when we're seeing media that is constantly depicting negative stories of fat people's lives, that makes us internalize that. Right. And that Mm. increases low self-worth and negative self-talk. Um, even things that we hear from bullies or like you said, negative things that we hear online, even if they're not about us, we can internalize that. And sometimes for some people, it creates an internal dialogue 
where inside their head, they are constantly just thinking about how terrible they are. And, you know, I'm an awful person and that can really be cyclical and it can snowball on itself really quickly. Mm -hmm. Challenging those negative thoughts can help to break that cycle and kind of stop it where it is. Have you Uh practiced that at all? Oh, I'm so, Ellen is aggressively shaking her head. Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked this question. So again, I have goosebumps. Uh, something that a gift that I gave to myself that I didn't know was going to be as big of a gift that as it was, um, was doing is doing improv. So I I've done improv for several years now. Uh, and, um, I did not realize until I was kind of getting into it, um, that you get to put on a mask of somebody else. You get to play anybody you ever want to be, uh, or whatever character you can think of. And so something I, I kind of had this realization as I was going through the improv classes that I felt very uncomfortable taking some spots in, in, in the scenes, right? So when you're doing improv, you could be, you know, you could play anything from like an orange that can talk, right. Or, or you're a princess in a castle. Uh, the, the scenes that I struggled with when I was early on was, where I was seen as pretty or as in a relationship mm-hmm. and, or somebody who um, was attractive or sexy. I still struggle with those. I'm not going to lie, but I got to have this exercise. I gave myself kind of like these silent goals or, or even challenges during classes to, to play a girlfriend, to play a, a wife, um, to, to play sexy and attractive and alluring, right. Cause you play with all these kind of emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to play angry. It's easy to play happy. It's easy to play sad when it came to that attractiveness, right. Uh, when it came to that, somebody desiring us and wanting us, I had a safe space to test that out to mm-hmm. test the waters and see what the reactions, the natural reactions were going to be. Now I could have been improvising that I was a thin person in whatever body or it didn't matter because it's all pretend, but I got to exercise and I got to move those muscles that I'd never would have gotten to before mm-hmm. organically secretly. And it was, and it was absolutely wonderful. Improv might not be for everybody, but that is a great example of something I got to do that I think is very relevant for us when it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, let me try this thing that makes me feel uncomfortable in a very, very safe space with people who I enjoy. And it's c- comedy, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think trying new things and being able to kind of break those habits can help in that cycle. Um, something else that I do and that I recommend to my clients is a self-kindness routine, which is mm. like for you, improv was part of that, but right. that can look like so many different things. It can be affirmations. It can be spending time in front <gasps> of the mirror. And I don't mean picking yourself apart. I mean, stand in front of the mirror and find one thing that you love about yourself that day. Right. Yeah. Um, it can also be journaling or remember really good sex you had, right. Or remember a really hard physical task that you did, whether it's like, you know, I went on a two mile run or whatever, Mm -hmm. just remembering times when you felt good in your body. And when you felt good in general, even remembering a time when you made your friend laugh really hard, right. All of these things can help break those um, negative thought patterns and can kind of help 
you reconnect with yourself, it can be a a very grounding experience and it can lead you to kind of reset Mm -hmm. your brain about how you feel about yourself. Another thing that helps is intentional thought and focus given Mm. to your talents and abilities, right? Consider what you absolutely love about yourself and focus on that. Maybe you're a talented musician or a kind friend. Maybe it's something silly, like you're really great at picking out the perfect Christmas gift, right? Like you can always find something that you love about yourself. And if you kind of refocus your thoughts and your behaviors to replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts, you will find that it really can change how you feel about yourself and it can increase self-worth. Sorry to interrupt. Can I ask you for a bit of advice? Yeah. Um, Okay. So uh, the the affirmations in front of the mirror, I would love to do that. I feel, I feel very silly. Um, The post-it note seems like something maybe I could do. Do you have, I I want like a real simple example of something either that you practice or something that, because this is something that's important to me and it's something I'm still working on. What, what would you recommend for the simple affirmations in the mirror? Is it a post-it? Is it like, right? Like what, what, what does that look like? I think the best thing you can do is say it out loud to yourself. And I know it's silly. I know it's hard to practice that, but let me tell you why you are hearing your own voice talking about yourself out loud. And so much of the time we are hearing our internal voice talk negatively about us. So hearing our physical voice talk positively about us does something in our brains. It just does. And you might not be able to stand in the mirror and say, oh, I love my lips. They are full and perfect. They are luscious. They're the most kissable lips in the world, right? I'm not saying start there. I'm saying start with, I called my mom today. It was her birthday. I remember Mm -hmm. to send her flowers. I'm a good daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't do something that is like a personal about you, take it back to the facts, right? What is something you did really nice for your partner today? I'm a good girlfriend because I, you know, bought my husband or my boyfriend's breakfast and brought it to him at work, whatever it is, right? You can start with things that you do for other people because that's something that people are usually more comfortable with, right? Mm -hmm. We can Mm -hmm. say, I'm a good friend a lot easier than we can say, I've got a great ass, right? (laughs) But one is a bridge to the other. Another thing that I think is the first step toward your self-acceptance journey is being your own friend. Talk to yourself Mm -hmm. like you would your best friend. And that really will change your mindset. When I do something silly, I laugh at myself. Or I, first of all, I think I am very funny, right? <laughs> you are very funny. I will affirm that. You are. Thank you. So if I do something that I think is funny, I will laugh out loud. Like yeah. you would your friend, right? I'd be like, that's funny. Even if I, it's just a funny thought, I will laugh. And yeah. realizing that like you can have joy and love and peace all within your own self. You need no external validation. You don't mm-hmm. need someone else to laugh at your joke. It is funny if you think it's funny and that's okay. You don't need to be funny for anybody else, right? Yeah. And, like I am picking humor as an example. I've picked like your relationships with other people as an example, but just yeah. pick wherever you feel comfortable. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you're like kick ass at your job. And so you, mm-hmm. it's easy for you to say, I'm a good employee. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I am, I did this task today at work and it made this, you know, project complete. And that was because of me. 
whatever yeah. it is, you can start there. Where do you think you're going to start? What are some things that you love about yourself? Oh man. Oh geez. <laughs> oh, that's a big question. I, I think it would be, uh, uh, my empathy, um, mm-hmm. is probably where I'd start. I feel very comfortable with, with that. So, uh, relating and, and making sure people are going to be taken care of, uh, mm-hmm. around me. So, oh, what a question. Oh, <laughs> I think that answering questions like that, you, I just put you, made you answer it in a very public setting, right? No, but being no, able no, to yeah. Answer questions like that in a private way and start with something you are comfortable with. It really can change your outlook. So thank you so much for asking me that. I think that's a great question. We are going to answer some written in questions when we come back from a break. So stay right tuned and we will answer your questions after. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement. But sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more. We'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. We are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. We have been speaking with Ellen, who has been a wonderful guest yet again. She's always such a joy to have on the show. I'm going to get with her to answer some of your written in questions. But first, I do want to highlight our clinic of the week. As always, this is not a sponsored segment of the show. This is just important information that I think everyone should know. This week's clinic is located in Jersey City. Alliance Community Healthcare was founded as a family planning center based out of a Jersey City church in 1963 by two African-American women, an attorney, and a handful of volunteers. They were determined to provide the women and families of Jersey City much needed access to safe, legal birth control. Since then, they have grown and expanded their services to better support their community. Now, in addition to countless other services, they also provide free, rapid HIV testing. 
No appointment is necessary. And because you receive your results in minutes rather than days, it doesn't require a second trip to the provider. This type of testing helps ensure that people learn their HIV status on the same visit, potentially limiting the spread of the disease. If you would like more information about this vast um, community, about the vast community services that this organization provides, or to donate to them, please visit alliancech.org. Okay, Ellen, are you ready to get into our first question? Let's let's go. Okay, this is the perfect question for you and I. I think I think um, this listener got in on a good episode. <laughs> so it <laughs> says, my body is a different size than it was the last time I had sex, which was right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Even when I was having sexual partners more regularly, I was wasted. I spent the last three years getting sober and now I'm ready to get back out there. Mm-hmm. The idea of having sex sober and in a body that I haven't quite figured out yet makes me super nervous. Do you have any tips? Oh man. Well, you know, I don't know if you want to speak to it first. I have a lot of thoughts going on right now. Um, the sober aspect, uh, having, you know, sex sober versus, uh, having like a lot of alcohol or whatever it is in your system. Uh, to me, in my experience, there was a reason why I had been drinking, um, inhibitions have been down. I wasn't as comfortable, uh, uh, with myself in a sober state. And so, you know, I think having sober sex is wonderful in regards to knowing how you feel about a person, whether, I mean, you can be having sex for fun or whatever, whatever the reason, but, um, there's something for me, this is my own experience is that sober sex is, is there's a little bit more self-acceptance when it comes with that, that I wasn't masking anything mm. with it. And I, I was in the moment rather than having to have a tool to help me with my inhibitions. Right. Mm-hmm. I, th- that's part one. What are your thoughts on that though? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, um, you bring up a great point that like having sex sober is so different, especially when it comes to inhibitions. I think -hmm. it's important to also highlight that if you are only having sex wasted, um, then you might not be staying true to like your internal, um, boundaries about what you want in your sexual relationship. So you might only want casual sex with no strings attached and that is totally fine. Go for it. No problem with that. Yeah. Kelly and I are all about it. Go have so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that might not be the case until you've drank and then you wake up the next morning and you have regrets about what you've done. So I think it's important to examine how you are feeling sober about the actions that you have committed when you are wasted, um, to kind of say, am I holding true to kind of my internal, uh, morality, like what I think is okay. The behavior that I want to engage in, and maybe it's not even casual sex. Maybe you're having unsafe sex when you're wasted, maybe you're having sex with partners that you don't want to have sex with sober, right? I'm talking about exes here. You know, like there are so many things that can make you not um, honor your own boundaries when you were wasted. And so I think it's important to kind of examine the link there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. You're spot on there. I totally agree with that. In regards to the heaviness, like being a bigger person, uh, versus being a smaller person, uh, it, to me, uh, I think that it, there's a spectrum when it comes to self-acceptance and where I am might not be where somebody else is. Um, and to me, I'm like, there are so many people who like bigger bodies, 
Uh, I, going back, kind of calling back to our internalized fat phobia, like the indoctrinated version of it. Um, uh, to me, I was told for a long time that if you liked fat people, it was a fetish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were fetishized. Right. And so there was like this thing that, that I had this mental block that, um, uh, well, if they're into me, it's because they have a fetish mm-hmm. about it when really they just liked somebody, not, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but really they just like people on bigger bodies. Those people yeah. exist like yes people people like you at all sizes so you know and if they don't like you at a certain size ditch them like there's no point in even talking to them anymore so i think that that's something that we don't really talk about enough is that like if you are if someone is with you because you are thin they are with you because of your body and that your body is a deal breaker for them i think it's important to think about how your body is going to change as you age because that is something that no one can get around right mm-hmm. our bodies will change so if your partner is really critical of your body if your partner is um very vocal about how they expect you to show up in your body, I strongly encourage you to evaluate that because your body will change. Even if it doesn't change your weight, you might be, you know, 125 pounds every day of your life. That's fine. But your body will still change. You are going to get wrinkles. Your hair is going to change. Your skin elasticity is going to change. Things aren't going to be in the same places. Like the joy of getting older is that we have to experience this, right? Like it is (laughs) our bodies don't stay the way that they are forever. So being with anyone who is only with you for your body is to me a huge red flag. And it's something you should always critically evaluate as Mm -hmm. far as having sex for the first time in a bigger body. I will say I've only ever had sex in my big body because I've been a big person my entire adult life. Yeah. Like I can't talk about the difference between having sex when you are thin versus when you are heavy, but I can talk Mm -hmm. about the difference in having sex when you are confident versus when you are not Uh, that is so important. It doesn't matter what size you are. If you are, no, I want to keep my t-shirt on and we need to do it with the lights and grabbing Mm -hmm. the blanket to wrap it around yourself. And you're not even going to go to the bathroom without putting back on your, you know, if you are acting that way, you are not enjoying your sex. You just aren't, you might think you're having good sex. You're not, it's because you've not had good sex yet. Like so (laughs) much of having great sex is the inhibition of this is my body. This is my body naked. And I'm giving you the opportunity to explore that. Mm. And being able to come to a sexual encounter in that mindset can be huge. That is such a switch in thinking that will directly impact the quality of the sex you are having. So I encourage this listener to focus on getting happy in their own skin and being confident in their body and loving themselves. And having a good time in the bedroom. Yep. It will translate into good sex. (laughs) Um, all right. Are you ready to go on to the second question? Sure. Let's, let's go. Okay. So this one says, I have a weird situation that I need some help with. I was friends with benefits for this guy for about six months. Then out of nowhere, he asked me to be his girlfriend. We were having a good time. He is sweet and treats me well. So I said, yes, if I'm honest though, I kind of felt pressured into it. I didn't want to hurt his feelings and I felt really put on the spot. Now we've been together for a little bit over a year and I think I've lost feelings for him. I've been trying Mm -hmm. for the last couple of months to get back in it, but I'm just 
irritated with him. He doesn't even have to do anything and I will be angry. He's a great guy and will make a wonderful husband. Should I just stay with him because I don't know if I can find anyone better or do I need to call it off? Oh my gosh. What a great question. Um, uh, obviously no, you've got to call it off. That's a hard conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, and this is my opinion from my experience, you make your own decisions, but it's, uh, to me, the best decision would be to move on. And the reason why I say that is, uh, again, from my own personal experiences in relationships, uh, I've had in the past have been, I am an anxious attachment style. If you know any attachment style stuff mm -hmm. and I'm working to find in, in, uh, from my understanding, Kelly, you, you'll know more than I do. Um, is that attachment styles can change and evolve. It's not like you're just one for forever and you might, right. might be mixed and most people probably are kind of mixed versions, but yes. coming from in relationships, a, a, a string of anxious attachment styles, uh, you're always fearful that somebody's going to leave you. So it doesn't in, in, so I, I'm on the other side of the coin, basically. Uh, it sounds like this person is ready to go and they, they haven't done it yet, but Speaking from an anxious attachment perspective, something that I've learned recently to help me move towards the healthier attachment styles, I say healthier, more, um, what's the, what's the term anyway, uh, secure, there we go. Mm -hmm. Secure attachment has been that, uh, relationships, uh, are, are, are faith, right? You have to believe what the person is telling you. So if yep. you're communicating that everything's okay when it's not. Uh, there's that disruption in face so that for me, again, not saying that your partner is uh, the anxious attachment style, but that's part of where the anxiety comes from is that there's been uh, faith given into people that they, they misused. So mm -hmm. I, again, I'm saying it from a perspective of, you know, uh, put somebody out of their misery, you know, is you're supposed to be selfish in relationships. You're supposed to take care of yourself. And I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot is that you can't be in a relationship for somebody else. You have to be in it for you. Yes. So, so if, if you feel like you're, you're not communicating something anymore, if you're giving that, that wrong signal out intentionally, that to me is no longer a relationship because you've destroyed that faith. So, so I think you're a good person still, even if you don't want to be with somebody, but being with somebody out of, you, you don't want that person who's with you just to, because they feel bad about breaking up with you. Yeah. I think, um, to kind of piggyback off of what you said, you need to break up with this person and not even for you, you need to do it for them. And I say that because you're stringing them along. You say he will make a wonderful husband, but you've said you're angry with him all the time. He doesn't even have to do anything. So he might make a wonderful husband. He's not a wonderful husband for you. Mm -hmm. Cut him loose. Let him go find somebody that he can be a wonderful husband with. And you go find somebody that will be a wonderful husband for you. Staying there isn't doing him a kindness. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like the way this letter was written is almost like, you know, I don't want to hurt him mm, is kind mm -hmm. of the under the underall tone, but staying with someone that you're not really into is hurting them. It is just a lot prolonging the inevitable. Um, it's also like, like you said, gonna affect how they view other relationships because once you have lost faith, that your partner is, you know, meaning it when they tell you, I love you, once you've lost faith that like, 
I am being given signals that my relationship is okay. And really my partner is very unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to sow seeds of doubt and mistrust for that person that they're going to have to really work to kind of go over, get over. Yeah. So I think the kindest thing you can do would not be to stay with him and like settle. No, the kindest thing you can do for him would be to move on. Mm-hmm. and, um, let him go and find someone else that makes them happier. Right. Yeah. I it, also yeah, think, go yeah. ahead. Alan. Well, and it's not, it's not hurting him either, whether it's in the short term or long term. that's on him to heal. Don't get me wrong. So the ownership is not completely on, on them. Uh, even with the, the, the mistrust that might be building up, but at the same time, understand the effects of what it does whenever you're lying to your partner and yourself about being in a relationship that you don't want to be in. Again, mm-hmm. the kindest thing you can do is is not prolong that. Uh, and there's never a good time. So just do it. There's never a good time. <laughs> I've never been in a situation where it was. No, it's painful no matter when you do it. But I think it is less painful if you rip that bandaid off early. Right. I also wanted to point out some things in the letter that I think are important to kind of examine. So you say that y'all were friends with benefits for six months, and then he asked you to be his girlfriend out of the blue. So Mm. it sounds like to me that highlights that y'all aren't communicating right. Um, if he is asking you, do you want to be in a committed relationship and it comes out of nowhere? Um, also, I don't think that out of the blue is after you've been having sex with this person for six months, you know, so I really would encourage this listener to really kind of do some self-evaluation about how we are communicating with our partners and, um, what signals we are sending out to our Mm -hmm. partners, because it sounds like there's a bit of a breakdown in communication. Um, Ellen, thank you so much for being on. This has been a great episode. (laughs) I, I adore you. And I really wanted to say that I, I appreciate again, what you're doing, but also you as a friend were in you telling not only your side of the stories or, or anything like that, but the advice you give is so wonderful. You've done so much work to, to kind of understand root causes of things or see like where society's failures come into play with, with the dynamics that we live in. So I, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for you. And I am so flattered that I've gotten to be on your show a couple of times now. So I appreciate you and adore you and thank you. Oh, you are so sweet. Thank you so much. I love every conversation with you, but I really love conversations where other people can hear it because I feel like you and I really talk about important things. Um, I know that people are going to want to stalk you on the internet. Where can someone find you? What uh, is going on? Yeah. Instagram's the easiest. It's, it's Ellen, not Helen, uh, with some underscores between each of those words. That's, that's the easiest, but yeah, Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. Again, this has been great. I love talking to you. I can't wait to have you on the show again. I do want to encourage all of you listening at home. If you would like your questions answered on an upcoming episode of kissing in a tree, go ahead and send an email over to show at willowintimacy.com so that we can answer your question at the next episode. I also want to, again, thank Ellen. Please go follow her on Instagram. She is lovely. She is doing improv all throughout the DFW area, and you will be so in for a treat if you go to see a show. Well, until then, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, deepen your roots, branch out with love, and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learn something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. 
Until next time, we hope you feel loved.